Welcome to The Fear Alchemist. My name is Ben Harris, your host and fellow explorer. I believe the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. Together, we'll explore the unknown and learn the lessons that fear has to offer. I'm glad you're here. Now let us begin. Before we get into the conversation, I want to let you know about what's going on at the Heart Collective. We are building a community of like-hearted people that are on a mission to create a more beautiful world. Not only do we have the Fear Alchemy course that is a transformational experience, we are also offering and announcing a river rafting retreat that's happening in September. It's called Stillness and Surrender. This is our second annual river rafting retreat, and there's nothing like fully immersing yourself into the beauty of nature. There are so many parallels and lessons that the river has to offer about how to surrender to the flow of life. So if you're looking for a felt experience of community, nature, and learning how to let go and trust the universe, then this retreat is just for you. Find out more about it and all of our offerings at heartcollective.org. That's H-A-R-T collective.org. The link is also in the show notes. Thanks, everybody. Now let's get back to the program. What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Fear Alchemist. The next special guest, Garen, in the house. Saving your energy from a night of food poisoning, poisoning and, yeah. and extreme bowel movements. So thanks yeah. for being here with Absolutely. me. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you for having me. And saving your strength. Um. So while we were dropping in and set it, setting everything up, it happened so perfectly where I asked about how you and your wife Blair and your baby soul have, how you've adjusted your schedule. And you were mentioning how you now wake up at 4.30 in the morning and go for an eight mile run. Yeah. But right before we started recording, you mentioned, dude, it was just so beautiful. I don't even want to just give a hint. I kind of wish we would have recorded it, but do you mind just dropping us back into your experience of the eight mile runs? And you said something about running to a bridge and let's yeah. go there first. So, um, you know, I've been a runner my whole life, but I never, I was never running with this level of awareness. So I was running and there's no street lights. I live on Barton Creek, off of Barton Creek Boulevard. There's no street lights. Uh, where we live. So it's just like dark and like creeks and and cracks and <laughs> glowing eyes and animals. Like whatever's out there is whatever's out there at night. And when I first started running, mind you, my favorite thing to do is run. I made an excuse for almost a year and a half. So for a year and a half, I didn't run. Why? Because there's no sidewalks. Why? Because there's no lights. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So I made an excuse and then earlier, like a couple months ago, I had a calf rupture uh, yeah. in two different places. So I was on crutches for, for uh, eight weeks. But every time something like that happens, like the universal, a conscious interrupt, stop me. Hey, what's the lesson? Yep. I'm not using something that I absolutely love. And it just said, okay, so since you don't want to run, I'm going to make it be known. And then it had me thinking about, you know what? Why have I stopped running? So as soon as I got better, I started running again. 
And, uh, you know, with me and my wife, we just had a baby eight months ago. So mm-hmm. we're trying to figure out our schedules Two high powered entrepreneurs, successful businesses, and her kind of like calming down and me like leveling up even yep. more and trying to figure out how I can tend to my needs, her tend to her needs without the baby getting left out. And we just kept fumbling the, the bag for eight straight months. Then one day I was like, you know what? She said, all I need is seven to nine. 7 a.m. to 9 a.m., I'm going to do my prayer, my meditation, walk Dobby, which is our dog, <laughs> um, and, and do my cards and work out. Like, I'm good for the rest of the day. I just need time for me. And the whole time I was like, I need time for me too. 7 to 9, so I got to get up even earlier. So I started waking up at 4.30 a.m. There's no lights outside. All these animals you can hear all the time. And the first time I started running, I was deathly afraid. For one, I don't, I don't like animals like that if I can't <laughs> see them. So I'm seeing these glowing eyes and all of a sudden I'm running and then I'm seeing them closer and I'm like, yo, this is weird. But then the more and more I started leaning into that uncomfortable and the unknown yeah. and the boogeyman in the dark, the more comfortable I got. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I, didn't, I never noticed the eyes anymore. I, that fear didn't come up. I just was very appreciative of being outside, running, loving what I'm doing. Every time I was doing that, I was getting these downloads. It was like me having a conversation with God because every time I run, it just opens my channel up for infinite wisdom to flow through. Every time. I don't know why. It just does. <laughs> for other people, it's different things. For me, it's running. And uh, I do that, but I kept running from here to the bridge, which is exactly 4.2 miles. And I got comfortable with that. The moment I took one step past the bridge, all of a sudden the animals came back. Well, you made a conscious decision, right? Literally just just one step. One step. Yep. Because I noticed it. Because I was like, oh man, this is easy. It's like <laughs> the more and more I'm running into the unknown, it's like you make your old hard your new easy. And you, you, I was running and it was comfortable and I felt connected to nature and nature was me. Mm. Then I took that one step and all the creaks and the cracks and the sound and it, <laughs> at night came back uh-huh. one step. And I was like, oh my God. And I instantly ran back. You did. I ran back after one step. I'm like, nah, we're, we're going up a hill. I don't know what's up where these trees are. Yeah. It's weird. The next day I say, you know what? Let me do a hundred steps past it. Ooh. So bro. the next day I woke up. Got to the thing, did the one step, all the sounds came back, got to 100 steps, and I'm just like, took a deep breath. (laughs) Animal sounds went away. Glowing eyes went away. And then I ended up running six extra miles. But by the time I was done running, it was daytime. And I was like, it's just a lot like life. (laughs) It's like what I think is fear. Mm Mm-hmm is the eyes and the cracks and the fear of the unknown. Yep. And the more and more I keep running to it, not away from it, to it, the more and more I keep running to it, it seems as though I just become part of everything. Oof. Yeah. Dude, okay, this is, I mean, we could end it right here, literally. <laughs> so like, because you've just encapsulated and embodied essentially 
everything I believe in. Mm. And the entire purpose of this podcast, right, is to let it like, ah, oh, there's so many good things. Of One thing that's standing out to me right now is like, you became it. Yeah. And what people typically think, right, is like, you are separate from the thing, right? Yeah. It's like fear is outside of you trying to like ruin your life and like you need to fight against it. And But it's not that. It actually comes with like softness, curiosity, leaning into it. Yeah. And that's what you did. And it's, dude, it's just so cool. Like I love you just sharing like just the one step. I didn't expect you to say that you turned back. Bro, one step. I love that. Yeah. And, and to add to that, when I say I became a part of it, I felt like I was connected to everything. Love, And man. I just kept going and kept going. And I was like, yo, this is such a beautiful run. And I feel good. And I was getting newer, newer and fresher ideas the more and more I was leaning into the unknown. Yes. From my run. But what it was was training me to accept all of myself. <laughs> so what I thought was outside of me, which is fear. It's almost like the boogeyman's in the closet. But the second you go in the closet, you realize that it's actually you. Yeah, one thing I believe is fear is love in disguise. I love that. Yeah, I, I love that a lot. And if fears, uh, the, the word fear is a name somebody made up. So man, what if it was actually something else? <laughs> and they were like, yeah, we're going to have them spin this web of sin and we're going to call it fear <laughs> and load this word with all these Low resonating yeah. frequencies, but what if that was all part of a plan? Yeah. Because those who take the most risks get the biggest rewards often. Yes, dude. Dude, you're freaking lighting me up right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I love how this is only two months ago and it's it's a metaphor, but I love how you were literally running towards it. Yeah. Because usually fear says, nope, run away, avoid mm -hmm. me at all costs because I'm afraid. But again, I'm just going to echo it for people. One step, you ran back. Next day, 100 steps, stop. You you didn't like, because I think there's a misconception with fear of like, I have to fight it and like be a warrior. You just yeah. actually, the secret is you became it. But the step to get into that, you like, you literally walked into it and you just like stopped. So when you hit that 100 steps, you just stopped and took some breaths. Well, what I said was, I love this part of me. Oh, dude, that's awesome. That's what I said. I just stopped and I was like, I'm hearing the sounds. I love this part of me. One step past that, I hear. And I was like, what is that? Like? It's an armadillo. <laughs> and I'm like, I love this part of me. So Ooh. then with every step, I was intentionally saying, I love this part of me. 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 And I'm running and I'm running and I'm running. And now it's 10, 12 miles. It don't even matter. And I'm watching it play out in my life in places where I normally have to trick myself to not, okay, I'm really afraid of this, but I'm going to overcompensate and pretend like yeah. I'm not afraid of yes. this, but I really am afraid of this. <laughs> yeah. It almost like... Uh -huh. It obliterated it, but it didn't. It just, it was the part of me that I hadn't yet accepted. Boom. Okay, bro. Dude, I know I'm like saying this and like, but I appreciate you sharing that so much is because it's the paradox of obliterating it, but not. 
because yeah. it is of what you said, the boogeyman in the closet is you, right? Fear reveals where you're not free. It reveals where you don't feel loved and accepted. So it's like, if you use it as a compass, which you do, of it doesn't mean it doesn't feel scary and it's not pretending that you don't feel it, but you use it as a compass of like, okay, this is where I don't feel loved or free or accepted yet. Yep. So let me go towards it so I can find out what that is. And even in the midst of it, this is such a powerful thing of you saying, I love this part of me. Mm-hmm. Dude, like, were you saying the part you were loving the part of you that was f- feeling afraid? Yeah. Or did you not even know yet what you were saying? Well, uh, well, I knew that that was, I could feel it. In your solar plexus? Yeah. And so normally <laughs> I'd be like, let me go find safety. Yeah. And instead of let me go find safety and run away, I was just like, I'm going to lean in. I'm going to lean into it. But I noticed there's sometimes, like, I'll ask my wife a question, but it's, you know, it's we get in these patterns, either we're flowing or we're not flowing. And when we're not flowing, like, I don't want to make her upset. So I fear saying certain things about the way I Mm -hmm. feel or the way that she might be showing up. So I'm just like, "Eh, I'm going to just leave this for another day. (laughs) But what I noticed was, the more and more I leaned into the fear, because how you do anything is how you do everything. Energy cannot be created nor destroyed. It can only only be transferred. So that transferred right into my relationship and things where I would normally back away, I shared it, but from such a grounded place and she received it. And normally I wouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. I would wait and then it would develop and then it would overgrow and then it would explode somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I'm just jumping right in instead of holding back and holding back. We're not designed to be keepers. We're designed to be givers. Like you out there, you can't even hold down that water that you just drank. It's got to come out. <laughs> so yeah. being able to do it afraid, man, it, give, it, 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 it builds resilience wings all over your life. Dang, dude, this is so good. And it's, didn't you mention to it also, so this is only two months ago? It was two months ago when I started running, yeah. That's crazy. But I've always been somebody who was, who I considered myself to just do what most people wouldn't do. Mm-hmm. What has, so I'm the same as you. Yeah. But I feel like this was something where, and you said something earlier about like something was missing. Yeah. So do you actually feel like, was that your intuition? Was some, I mean, it's a paradox. Was something actually missing? Like what was that thing? Because you said this also, it's translated into your business too, right? Like, Yeah. You know, I'm fortunate to have several seven figure, uh, seven figure businesses, uh, been blessed to impact millions of people all over the world. mm -hmm got the kind of relationships that I want with my family, have a smoking hot wife that I love so dearly, <laughs> yeah. brand new baby, daughter who is whose college is taken care of. She's almost 21 years old. Things are going really great in my life. And there was something that mm. I was like, there's something in there because these are the things that I was looking to achieve, but there's something inside of there that I've yet to be revealed. And there was a part of me that had to get really honest and clear on my reasonings for why I do things. Mm. And what showed up was there was uh, 
girls when I was in high school. I didn't start puberty till I was 18 years old. Really? Yeah, I was, mm. so I was little for a very long time. Mm. And no girl that I ever liked would like me. They're like, oh, you're like my little brother. Yeah. And I was like, I'll show you. <laughs> and then one day I was the fastest kid in my elementary school and I'm racing against a guy that's two years older than me uh, named Jimmy Miller. <laughs> and uh, they stopped school because the three fastest kids were running the mile. So I was running a six-minute mile when I was nine years old. Jeez. And, <laughs> and I was one of the fastest kids in the country racing against people that were way older than me. And at the end of that race, I was leading the entire race. This is the king crown to see who's the fastest kid in Lantern Lane history. <laughs> I get there. I cross across the finish line. I look back. Jimmy Miller dove. I'm looking at myself across the finish line. And he passes after me. And coach gave both of us the same time. And I was crushed. And there is a reason why I tell you this. So what I didn't realize was all my life, all of my achievements, I've been trying to prove mm -hmm. that I won that race and I will make you feel the pain of knowing that your life is not better than mine, <laughs> Jimmy Miller and Coach <laughs> Chernock. Uh. You gave him the same time. Why? Because I was black and because he was white. Like, yeah. I didn't know, but I, that's the stories in my head. Mm -hmm. And the running program of a little nine-year-old kid is I'm going to prove that I'm the best. I'm going to prove that I'm the best. I'm going to prove I'm mm -hmm. going to prove. So a lot of the things that I did and that I've accomplished was from overcompensating from prove it energy, which is not my truest authentic self. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until two months ago that I realized that. Wow. And you can have, you can... Your life, you, your life can look like amazing. Oh my God, he's got the car, he's got this. Well, my best friend, I was fortunate enough to be in the music industry before I got into the coaching space. My best friend had all the cars, had all the models, had all the money, had the big man. He had several mansions, put a bullet into his brain. So he had everything but himself. Ooh. And it made me rethink what success was. So, but it didn't hit me until I looked at my life two months ago. Dude, this is fresh. Legit two months ago. And I was like, there's something missing. That something missing was myself because I was operating under the paradigm of prove it. I'm the best. Mm. Instead of my truest, authentic nature. I am a fun, loving, happy, fully expressive. And I'm thinking from the little kid. Little kid who loves to see people smile while I do the things that I love to do. I'm full of energy, full of life, full of passion. And there's just no quit. I forgot about that little kid. So inside of that deep meditation, it was revealed to me that I had actually abandoned myself. So the abandonment issues that I thought I had from my, from my, my dad was actually manifested because the first abandonment was actually me abandoning the parts of me that I love the most to please someone else for the sake of attention, for the sake of approval. And until two months ago, I was like, oh, 
I am so sorry, little Garrett, that I left you for this long. I apologize for abandoning you. What do you have to share? And little Garrett says, I don't trust you. Just like a little kid. If a little kid goes, mom, 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 dad, 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 dad. Imagine for 35 years, what do you think the relationship is going to be like? Well, I did that to my soul. So that's what was missing. The alignment from my physical and my spiritual self. And as soon as I saw what I needed to work on, nourish the little boy inside of what does what makes him happy. He's the one with all the creativity, all of the energy, all the passion. And I've been trying to, adults are deteriorated children. So I've been trying to control it this way. Yeah. And little Garen is the one with all the ideas. Just look at little kids. They can play all day. So I decided to tap into that and I call it artist power. Like all of us have a little artist inside of us. I say, what do I do this with this? Create, awaken the artist within. And you're going to reach many different kinds of people in many different genres because most people lack courage and confidence, real courage and mm-hmm. real confidence. I'm not talking about overcompensating or masking your life. The real thing. <laughs> and Garen, you don't. So when you share it and you show it, now you become an example for what's possible. You've never created anything around what's so natural to you. So you're going to create Awaken the Artist Within, retreat, and expose people to themselves. Damn, dude. Wow. Um, (laughs) This is like, yeah, this is otherworldly. And it's, it's cool. Like, obviously, you've had so much success and you've obviously had fun you've had experiences of love yeah and it's not to say that like you have to feel like completely this to do before you go for the thing or whatever because it's like it can be both right and it's like and then it's like oh this it happened perfectly so then you can get to this point and have this realization Mm -hmm. so what is so beautiful i love all of this so much and i resonate with this deeply of like trying to prove that you're the best. Um, and, and making it like you're not trying to prove it. <laughs> yeah. Hold the mask inside of the mask inside of the mask. <laughs> all of it. And also, which has to do, I mean, there's two separate things, which I love, of like the abandonment. And you said, so how old were you when you, so talking about like your dad, when, when was that? Leaving you or whatever that was? So my, my parents, when I was four years old, mm-hmm. my mom said we have... 30 minutes before I leave, my parents were separating at four. And my mom said, pick which parent you want to go with. Oh, wow. So imagine I've got to make this decision. That's not fair, yeah. The amount of like, so I didn't want to go, kept making excuses, kept procrastinating. And I remember I chose my dad and there was just this feeling of like, I don't want to make this decision. Mm. Chose my dad. And what I now know is my intuition said, go with mom, go with mom, go with mom. I didn't know that when I was four, but Mm. something told me to go with mom. And I was like, I want to go with mom. Stop the car. We were driving away already. My brother chose my mom. And I was like, stop the car. I want to go with mom. I want to go with mom. I want to go with mom. Stop the car. Go back. Dad drops us off. And 
Eight years later, he was murdered. Mm. And when he was murdered, I blamed myself. And so the original abandonment was me abandoning my dad and not ever thinking about how he might have felt. Of course, I didn't know when I was four. But imagine, I want to go with dad. I said, no, I want to go with mom. Mm. He was already spiraling. So imagine his spiral after that. Yeah. Drugs, alcohol, the whole thing. He was already doing that. Because imagine even more. So I blame myself for all of it. And my parents separated. I blame myself for that. Every time my parents argued, I thought it was my fault. Yeah. All of it. So I used to be late all the time and I never knew why. And yeah. I felt like I could get anywhere in the world in 30 minutes. <laughs> and then I discovered oh my God, that running loop is still inside of me of the little four-year-old who is dreading leaving and having to make a decision. So being decisive triggered four-year-old, I don't want to go, I don't want to go. And that's why I would always plan everything last minute because the open loop of little Garen having to make that decision, dreading leaving and procrastinating that's what caused me to be a procrastinator, be late all the time, all that. Once I locked into that, just by way of awareness, I knew I now had a choice in life. Damn, bro. This is so good. It's like, and the beautiful thing, all of these things come back to, whether it's abandoning, because when you, so I'm curious, like when you were four years old, feeling that feeling that you're like, I don't want to make a decision. Yeah. Where did you feel it? Do you remember? In your body? I, it was like, a, you know, when you eat some bad food. Like last night? Yeah, but this one kind of <laughs> snuck up on me. And you know yeah. that you eat some bad food and mm-hmm. your whole body starts aching. That's what I felt. I felt it was, it was like this. And like I have to do this and I don't want to. It was a feeling of dread. Oof. Like through your whole body? Through my whole entire body. And what's... And looking back at that, not wanting to make the decision, what was that? Like, why didn't you want to make a decision? Choose my parents. Choose which parent I want to go with. Why can't y'all stay together? Yep. Like, I've, I've got to make the decision. I'm four. <laughs> yeah. I want to go with mom and I want to go with dad. Mm-hmm. I don't want to leave my brother. I don't want to leave my dad. I have 30 minutes to get my stuff and pack. Pick. Yeah, that's a crazy decision to make. And I wondered why I would always hesitate. I hesitated to put my book out. I hesitated Mm. to, I would start packing three weeks before a big trip and I'd finish packing in the last 30 minutes. The last 30 minutes, bro. It's all connected. Damn, dude. Um, Do you mind if we explore that a little bit more? Of course. No, I don't mind. Okay, thank you. So where do you feel like you still hesitate if you do? Oh, no, bro. Once I was aware of it, Uh. well, I leaned in. And that's the thing. When I'm not aware, I don't know what I'm looking for. Mm. The second I have awareness, and that's some one thing that 
myself and my wife, we pride ourselves off of. We're like implementers, like it's nobody's business. <laughs> I don't wait to implement. That's why results continuously keep happening. Mm. When I'm aware, when I'm not aware, and people tell me, I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. But when I'm aware in my body mm-hmm. and I know I have a choice, I get a coach. I will do any, I, will, I, will, I am willing to go anywhere and everywhere to support me in all the areas of my life where I have a coach. I've 10x. Got a sex coach, got a relationship coach, got a money coach, got a business coach, got a got a structure uh, a structure and systems coach. Mm. Like everywhere where I have a coach has 10x. So the moment I had that, now there's a trauma coach. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So I just get a coach so I can freaking Michael Jordan that part of my life. <laughs> I like that. Dude, that's dope. Um, and it's going back to, I mean, even that hesitation feeling, knowing that that truly has been transmuted. Yeah. Truly, which is so beautiful. Still comes up in layers, but as soon as it comes up, I do something about it. Yeah, you're ready to, away. instead of running away. Like, what is the root of that, do you feel? Um, I mean, you think about it. Weeds don't need anything to grow but time. That's it. Just time. It doesn't matter how much you tend the garden. You can tend the garden for 10 years straight. Let a season go by and you don't tend the garden. All of a sudden, the weeds come up and they overtake the garden. Most people think that you do the work on this area, this one area, and it's like one and done. Nah, bro. It don't work that way. It's, it's like brushing your teeth. You can brush your teeth every day for five years. Don't brush your teeth for five days. Be stinky. <laughs> yeah. So when you do that same thing mm-hmm. with your soul and your, your mental, oh man, but I've been, I took this course and why am I still having the same problem? But are you implementing the practices every day? It's a lifestyle, not a diet. And people treat growth like a diet mm. instead of a lifestyle change. So anytime it comes up, when I really deep, dig deep down inside, because I'm probably operating out of ego, ego and I don't think I need it, or I haven't had, a, I don't have a teacher or accountability partner in that mm-hmm. thing, and then I just become a fifth grader trying to teach himself how to get out of fifth grade, <laughs> which last time I checked, I've never seen one do that. <laughs> Dude, this... And when you go back to the hesitation, even with your wife, Blair, yeah, it's like, did you feel like you were hesitating before? Or was it like, once you had that awareness, it was like, oh, I didn't even know I was hesitating. No, I, I, I knew I was hesitating. Mm. and um, But I didn't know what all it was connected to. Mm-hmm. And it's so you can look at that, that little leaf on the ground, but not <laughs> know that it's connected to a giant oak tree. That has a bunch of rubble and stuff behind it. You're like, oh my God, all of that. One time I tried to get rid of my email. I used to and and <laughs> I used to have this saying in 2007. It's like I'm rich in thought, broke in pocket. And I couldn't find a way to make money. Even when I was two hundred thousand dollars in debt, living in my car for two and a half years, sleeping from couch to couch, sleeping in abandoned buildings on bubble wrap. I had the email rich broke. And then I was like, man, I'm going to get rid of this email. (laughs) And I went to go get rid of the one email. It was connected to 
like 125 videos that I had put out that was on YouTube. And for me to get rid of it was to get rid of all these other things that was connected to Uh. it. And so it's like pulling up this thing and it's like... (laughs) The deep root, baby. (laughs) So one day I even went in my storage unit. I like got rid of everything in the storage unit. No more attachment to the old stuff, old energy. I got rid of all that Mm. stuff, rid of old clothes. I went to go buy some, just like a new pair of underwear. New pair of socks, like, oh, oh man, I'm just going to hold on to this. Like, it's all of that. And by me creating space, it made room for my next level. This is so good, dude. And why, like, did you delete that email that was attached to YouTube, like, right away? You're just like, I knew I just have to do this. Once I was aware that I was manifesting that because that was right when I started doing personal development. Mm. I started doing the personal development when I was on my second and a half year living in my car. And I don't remember who said maybe it was like Jim Rohn or John C. Maxwell. <laughs> and they were like, successful people are willing to do the things that unsuccessful people won't do. And I was like, and I heard somebody say something about like, names and how they can empower you and how you can set up healthy booby traps like in your life, Uh like things that you see it and it'd be like, oh, it got you, but it reminds you of the the highest part of you. That's right when I started doing that work back in 2011. And all of a sudden I was like, well, first thing, my my wife always says, if you're stuck, back it up. What's Mm -hmm. in the gap? What was in the gap is I was surrounded by negative words, negative people, and even names that I called things. It was like rich in thought, broken pocket. So let me actually create another name. Boom. That's when I got rid of the, the, the name. And man, my whole world opened up mm. when I got rid of that one email. Really? Yeah. Like what else happened? Like what was one of the first things you can remember happening? I met a person who offered me an opportunity to become a wellness coach. And I'm like, so what do you guys do? They're like, we make money getting people healthy and motivating them. And I was already working people out for free on a mountain at Runyon Canyon in (laughs) in Los Angeles. It was like 90 to 100 people that I, was, that I met this before I had any followers or anything. Just people love the energy. And it just made me feel so alive doing something I love to do that I would do for free. So shortly after I got rid of that is when I met the guy who introduced me the opportunity to make money to do what I was already <laughs> doing for free. Yeah, I can do for free because I was already doing it. I already had 125 videos out. I called myself a singer, but I had more personal development videos than I had music. Mm. I didn't know it would turn into the life that I am now. And I was living out of my storage and the name of my, my YouTube series was called The Storage. Oh, wow. All white walls and great lighting in there. And so I'm talking about today stuff that I was talking about when my life didn't look anything about it, like it, because it was just something that I felt and I just needed to give it out. Dude, this is so cool. And it's like, when you tap into that moment, 
of even like the storing, the holding. Yep. Why do you, what sense of control or safety did you feel from holding on to that? Well, I grew up in a house where, you know, I don't mean to throw my mom under the bus, but spade is a spade. She's a pack rat. <laughs> she mm-hmm. kept everything. She didn't get rid of anything. And it was like hoarding. So that's my childhood de- domestication. Mm. Hold on to everything. Mm. I didn't know any better. That's how I grew up. So that's why I don't, I like living in a big space so I can see things, so I can put things away because that's still part of my, you know, it's like me telling you, hey, unlearn English. <laughs> yeah, try it and see how that works. So like unlearn your childhood domestication uh-huh. takes a lot of work. So that's what it's connected to. It's like attachment. It's like, mm-hmm. I can't let this go. It's, I can't. Yeah. You mean to tell me you have a 250 gig phone <laughs> and you can't put no more photos and videos? You can't let one photo go? Then magically you drop your phone and the screen cracks. Hmm. Maybe that's all part of the universal order yep. to say it's time to let go mm-hmm. so that new things can come into your life. Can you imagine if iPhone 1 never let go of their old <laughs> processing speed or camera yeah. or the way or how heavy that dinosaur phone was? It would not make room for the new processing speed, new buttons, new features. So we're all part of this, uh, uh, j- the designer of all of this. Yeah, It was all the same. Same way phones are, same way hum- humans are. But most people, because humans have the dignity of choice, I don't want to work out today. I don't feel like, no, that's for you. That's not for me. But your height, that's the, you, you have, it'll, it'll just keep growing until it's done. But same thing with trees. Same thing with birds that fly as high as possible. And humans, we're the only life form to be like, nah, I'm good. Like, I don't want to go to that free. That's not for me. I'm, I don't want to read. No, growth is for other people, not me. That, was, that used to be me. So I saw the other side of actually caring about being one with nature. That's why they say human nature. Mm-hmm. And the trees out there, to me, are no different no. than this tree and my roots, my ancestors, their roots their ancestors that's all connected, trying to bring you back to the one true source, at least the way my paradigm works and sees things. And once I really was like, yo, I love nature. So if I love nature, that means I love myself. So mm. it's myself giving back to myself. Yep. And it always amplifies. Yeah, dude, this is like, ah, it's so good. And I know like you're an amazing storyteller and you tell, you know, the story of, you like in those moments, but it's like, I just want people to stop and pause and actually really hear it for a minute and not just like hear it from Garen retelling the story. But dude, so like how old were you when you were living in your car? I was 32 years old. That was the last time. Yeah. And what was that actual moment that you actually went from car to what? Like what was yeah. that? So the actual moment, I just felt like, if you're in the ocean and you see the waves crashing down, like I kept trying to swim into the waves. <laughs> and yeah. I was I was a little bit over 200, 
close to $250,000 in debt, hadn't paid taxes for 10 years, but they can't get you past seven. Um, Girlfriend had just broken up with me. Daughter pretty much disowned me because I couldn't get my life together. Mm. Mom was dying in the hospital and I'm literally living in my car for two and a half years. All of that was happening at the same time. That's crazy. Plus I was 45 pounds overweight. So speeding bullet going down. Plus, I tried to kill myself twice and failed at that. So all this was happening at the same time. And then one day, I was sitting on the corner of La Brea and Sunset. Uh, Hollywood Hollywood and La Brea, right in front of the Mellon Moore um, post office. And My window was busted out because someone had broken into my car the day before. And I just cried. And I said, okay. (laughs) Okay, I'm tired of fighting. I don't want to fight anymore. I want to be healthy. I want to be happy. I want to be surrounded by nothing but positive people. I just want to inspire people. And I want to make a bunch of money. And I want the money to represent something that I passionately believe in that I would do for free. Show me a sign. Show me a sign. Show me a sign. A week later, I'm at a gas station with $2. You couldn't. The gas was like. Damn near $4 per gallon. I couldn't even get a gallon of gas. And a quote-unquote homeless guy asked me for money, mm-hmm. and I said, you have more money than me. The homeless guy. Change your mindset, change your life. And it was those words right there. And he walks away. Change your mindset, change your life, and just walks away. Blood, they, their eyes were bloodshot. And I never had words create a conscious interrupt and just stop me in my tracks and make me think about my whole life. You know that movie, Sixth Sense? Mm -hmm. Remember when he didn't know that he was dead and then when he finally realized he saw all these different moments flash? That's the same thing happened to me, but it's all these lies that I told myself my whole life Uh. because of how I was thinking. Change your mindset, change your life. So, So if my mind is set on something, then that's why the result is what it is. So if I do different with the same circumstance, my life will change. Change your mindset, change your life, change your mind. So I, almost 11 years ago to the date, every time I don't feel like doing something, change your mindset, change your life. And I do it. (laughs) So I trained myself to do the opposite of everything I would normally do normally not do in areas of my life where I wasn't happy. But I started, and I didn't know that I was doing this. It was just the act of doing the opposite. Mm. Normally, I would take the escalators, change your mindset, change your life. So I'll take the stairs. Mm. Normally, I use gel soap, change your mindset, change your life. So I use bar soap. Mm. Normally, I eat fatty foods, change your mindset, change your life. I started practicing eating healthy. That's when I met healthy, active lifestyle people. That guy who introduced me to becoming a health and wellness coach. So my life is an exact inverse of where I was 11 years ago, almost to the date, because I trained myself how to do the opposite, which created new, all these new neural pathways, created new stories, created new outcomes. 
And then once I started doing personal growth work, it gave me language to be able to articulate my change. That's how I became a coach. I just kept telling my story. And this is why I'm such a great storyteller. Mm-hmm. And I train through story because people will remember the story more than they'll remember the seven key steps to su- success mm-hmm. 20 years from now. Yeah. And so I saw what was happening. The more and more I would share my story, share my story, share my story. So this whole change your mindset, change your life thing happened. And this is where the big change happened. This is where everything. The seed was the words change your mindset, change your life. And then one day, a coach named Monica Zanz, she challenged me to write a letter from my big self to my little self, apologizing for leaving him. Mm. And I used to go by the name Stefan because I, want, I didn't like that nobody else had the name Garen. So I mm. wanted to create a new identity and all this other stuff. And I ran away from the thing that actually shaped me. I abandoned myself. So she said, write a letter from big Garen to little, little, big, big Stefan to little Garen. And I did. She said, when you're done, switch to your non-dominant hand, mm-hmm. which operates a different part of your brain, your child brain. And then write a letter from little Garen to big Steph. And all of these emotions, I didn't even know I stuffed down. Just kept coming out. I'm screaming, I'm cursing, everything. As soon as that was done, I say, you know what? My name is Garen Stefan Jones. You think you know me. You have no idea. So I went on social media. It's on social media right now. Before then, I had no followers, nobody. Maybe I'd tag 50 people. Maybe five (laughs) people would like it. When I shared who I really was in my Mm. deepest, scariest moment, in my deepest uh, vulnerability, really? You think you know me, you have no idea. You know this, 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 and this because this is what I shared with you. But right now I'm living in my car. I've cheated on every girlfriend I ever had. I'm this, I'm this, I'm this. Five years from now, I'm going to retire my mom. I'm going to become a multimillionaire. Don't feel sad for me. This, it, this, I don't believe in July 4th, Independence Day, because it's this day that I'm choosing to be free. Oof. So the first message I got, this is what set me on the path, the work that I do now, on a Gmail was from someone that said, I put the gun down when you shared your testimony. Thank you for being brave. Wow. From that first video? It wasn't a video. It was a freaking photo and a post. Mm. So you wrote what you just said. I wrote. Mm. I put the gun down and I was like, wait, what? This person doesn't even follow me. And at the time, I didn't know who was sharing it, who was commenting and everything. Fifth message. Someone shared this uh, message, the, your testimony with me. I didn't drive my car off a bridge. And I knew I was supposed to represent for the voice of the voiceless because I was the example of what true freedom looks like, fully embodiment looks like, and really allowing yourself to be seen because mm. I choose to see myself. And now we're here. Damn, dude. <laughs> I just got chills. And while you talk about freedom, bro, like, so 11 years ago is not long. At no, all. not at all. And it's crazy because for all those things to have happened, that's really quick. And But if someone's living in their car at 32, everyone would assume. Yep. Because 999 times out of 1,000, 
that person. I don't know what the outcome is for that, but it's probably not where you're at no. right now. I'm part of the 1% of the 1% of the 1%. <laughs> yeah. Dude, and it's so, like I'm just pausing because that story is so powerful. Like, do you ever, th- I don't feel like you do, but I'm curious. Do you ever feel, worry about being in that spot again? No. Mm. No, not at all. I don't. It still happens though, but it happens in the way the universe disguises it. Mm. So like, I was in from 2003, 2002 to 2005, I was in prison for two and a half years. My calf, when that happened, I was like, oh, this is the same way I felt when I was in prison. Mm. Which was what? Stuck. Stuck, worthless, useless. Mm. Like I couldn't do anything. And that's right when we had the baby, so I couldn't carry her. I'm, the baby's crying. I'm crying. I'm like, wait a second. This is exactly what happened when I was in prison, serving a 12-year sentence. But how did I get out? I remember that I loved to run when I was a little kid. I remember that I love art. I remember that I love motivating people. I remembered all these things. So I started doing that for the inmates because I was already doing what made me happy. And there was a moment where we were watching uh, Shawshank Redemption, which is a movie that's based out of was prison. Was it in prison? In prison. I love that you're watching that in prison. Yeah, because we're allowed to watch movies once that's a month. Dope. And when I heard Tim Robbins say, they can take anything they want away from me, they can't take away my mind. I had a huge epiphany. And I was like, well, I know why I'm in prison. Because while I was free, that's a whole nother story. Don't get me started. (laughs) While I was free, Mm -hmm. I used to say, I'm so far away from where I'm supposed to be. I feel like I'm in prison inside of my own body. Mm -hmm. So in losing my freedom, I discovered my freedom. Because I remembered that everything that I thought I was losing while I was on lockdown, sound familiar? (laughs) While I was on lockdown, was actually things I gave all my power away to, Mm. only to remind me of where the power came from, which was me. So I'm in prison operating like a free man. I'm running within 30 days. There's 62 inmates running with me when they weren't running before. It was less fights, less drug deals. Uh... And I just felt so alive. I felt more alive in prison than I did any other time. And I was running again. Yeah, I love it. I love this, the trend of running. Yeah, I was running again. And then all these ideas started coming. I started forgiving people who hurt me. I started letting go of resentment, people who I held on to resentment to, writing them letters and saying, I apologize for cheating on you. I apologize for this. Forgave the two men who murdered my father. Mm. Let it all go. Magically. I got busted for... uh, (laughs) Magically. Yeah, yeah. So I I got busted for um, drug smuggling, 6.2 kilos of heroin, running from the UK over a ferry to Rotterdam. I did the route seven times. Eighth time I got caught. There was 6.2 kilos of heroin in the stolen luxury vehicle that I found out later that I was driving that was connected to a certain mafia. Mm. And I didn't, I was, my point person was not that. (laughs) So I found out the depths of it. So I became the leader of it all because I wouldn't snitch. 
a member of the American Connection, all on magazines and newspapers out in France. And they tested those drugs three times. So why is it that two and a half years later, serving a 12-year sentence, when I felt free, when I was Uh. embodying all the characteristics of freedom, they called me into the office and they said, we retested the drugs, which they had no reason. They'd already did three times. 90% was fake. And for the amount that was real, you've already done your time. You're free to go home. Bro. So no president, no left, no right, no committee, no government can ever take away your freedom. So the more you fight for freedom, mind your energy. Because it's either freedom to love or freedom from love. Mind your energy. You have already lost. Because no one can take away from you what only you can give to yourself. And I know because I was actually in prison (laughs) and I gave myself freedom and the rest of my life had to follow because it's it's a law. It's a part of the universal order. Damn, dude. Have you ever made that connection about the running before? Oh, yeah. Wow. I just, I tend to forget and then I start running again. I'm like, oh, yeah. (laughs) It's like you can't see the picture while you're in the frame. Uh Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden I start running and all these things start coming in. I'm like, it happens every time. That's so funny, dude. And with the freedom piece, specifically fighting for freedom, I know that has many layers and levels. Many layers. Right, to that. It's not so just, I said, mind your energy. Yeah, but it's like the same, the same thing when this, like when we say like, fuck cancer. Yeah. Right? It's like, no. How about we love it, right? It's that same energy, what you just said. And I know that can be touchy because it's like, yeah, when we lose people to that, it is a fucking energy, right? You're pissed, you're angry. But it's like, that's literally what builds it. That's what feeds it. Yeah. You ever seen those cartoons and it's like this one this one entity that's taking over the whole city and then you throw a cow at it and all of a sudden it grows and it gets bigger. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, man, we keep throwing. So you find another way to neutralize the monster. Mm-hmm. You don't neutralize it by fighting it because you've already lost because the energy inside of you that's fighting, you actually become part of the monster. Damn, bro. And this comes full circle so beautifully to the very beginning. To I love my part. I love this part of myself. Yeah. I love this part of myself. Accepting, learning how to accept all of you. Mm. You know, there were, there were times when the whole, um, uh, I mean, I mean there, there's always been racism stuff going on. And there were times where I was like, yo, it's like F white people. And I'm just and I'm just saying it out of anger. Yep. And I was like, wait a second, that was a person. That's not all people. <laughs> and I literally had to realize. I'm like, wait, my favorite teacher is white, Miss Cushionberry. <laughs> um, some of my best friends are white, and I was like, they didn't do that. I was like, so why am I saying that to an entire? Mm-hmm. And, and then, I mean, it, this is such a deeper, it's, it's so much, much deeper. Yep. 
but learning how to have sovereignty over my own self and then feed feed the beast with love and learn how to process in a way that doesn't have my nervous system irregulated has me seeing from a place of neutral. Yeah. And I go into the beast of the belly. Like I have conversations with people that most people are afraid to have. Come, tell me more about that. Love to hear that. Mm. Why do you think that? Oh, yeah, because this happened and this happened and this happens to a white guy. And this happened and, and he raped my mom. And I, I can understand mm-hmm. why you're so angry. It's like, did I rape your mom? No, but you don't know. Did I rape your mom? Mm-hmm. No. And I was like, so I'm just curious. Is it right in your soul? Because only you can determine what's right. For you to chastise an entire population for a instant. Or could you be like, yo, fuck that dude. That dude. <laughs> uh-huh. And the more and more I had those conversations, I was just like, wow, I'm, I'm learning a lot of things about just anger. You know, I had one guy that's like, he was like, no, there's no racism. There is no. I'm like, bro, <laughs> shut up, bro. Like, shut up. And then he was he was saying, he was like, he was like, you, you guys are just overreacting. And and he he was like, he was like, white people aren't privileged. I'm like, I said, so let me ask you this. Mm. I said, you have a daughter, right? He says, yes. I said, if she comes up to you and says, Dad, 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 and you don't listen. And then you kind of just, you kind of just give her the cold shoulder. What do you think is going to happen to her dad? She'll probably get louder. Mm-hmm. Dad, dad. And I was like, and then what happens if you don't listen? Over and over and over. Eventually, it's going to turn to rage. Yeah. If you put intentionally two rageful people, or if you put two pit bulls in a cage and you rattle that cage, and you rattle that cage, they will end up eating each other. So to literally tell an entire population they're overreacting, that would be like you telling your daughter who's just looking for you to listen and go into her fear and be like, hey, tell me more about that and actually care, and (laughs) actually care. Not be like, will you just be quiet? You won't have a relationship like that. And so he kind of got it. But then the next day he called me crying. Oh, wow. And I'm like, what's going on, dude? He goes, man, I was trying to, been trying to get this raise at at my work. And I kept trying to get my my boss's attention. And it's almost like he just wouldn't listen to me. And I kept on and I kept on. And I just found myself so angry that I punched a TV. Oh, wow. And I said... Welcome to my world. Wow. He said, now you understand 1% of what not being seen and heard truly feels like. 1%. He's like, bro, I get it. And I was like, and I was willing to have the conversation without taking anything personally. Ooh, dude. (laughs) That's just so good because it's like the root of it, right, is fear. For it's like yeah. we're afraid of this person, but it's really it even goes back full circle. Like I'm afraid of myself. 
100%. Right? And so for you just to even listen, that's just such a great example of like what love can do. Yeah. Like that's it, bro. Feed it with love. <laughs> uh, it, is, it starts changing. And, <laughs> I still love you. Mm-hmm. And I still love you. And I still love the two men who murdered my father. Like really. I'm not just saying that. Like really. Yeah, bro. That's. Do you mind touching on that a little bit? Because yeah. I think that's like how can you… I mean, you're an example of it, obviously, but how? Like, how can you love someone who's killed Well, your I'll father? tell you this. Fear inside of your body, unprocessed, is like a parasite that will eat up your dreams, your soul, your intimacy. It will eat it Everything. all up. Your, abund- your, your capacity to be able to open up your life to, the, to abundance financially. Because you're always that- in survival. Exactly. So… When I was going through that process of like getting rid of my email, the very next <laughs> thing was thinking about all of the people that I either did something wrong to or that did something wrong to me. And my goal was to apologize to them for my part. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter what they responded with because I was in the process of trying to free myself. Mm. You know, and I reached out to this girl named Tess. And I used to hit Tess over the, everybody used to bully Tess in like seventh grade, now like second grade on the bus. I remember pulling her drawstring over her head and then taking my big yellow backpack and hitting her over the head. Mm. I got bullied. I bullied other people. Yeah. Uh, not as yet, I got older, but when I was really, really little. And so I decided to message her on Facebook. Hey, Tess, I know you don't remember this but I just wanted to apologize for the way I treated you when we were seven, which was like 30 something years prior. (laughs) I know you don't remember this, but I just want to apologize. I'm just in the process of transforming my life, but you didn't deserve that. And I'm sorry. And then all of a sudden something told me to just post it publicly. I went to post it publicly within two seconds she goes, can you please take that down? I'm in tears right now. I'm like, oh my God, her little gray bubble comes up. She goes, one, why did you do that? Two, what about me made you do that? Three, the same things is happening to my kids and I don't know what to tell them. Uh-huh. And that's when I realized people carry in their nervous systems the last moment of how you made them feel. Mm-hmm. And that sent me on a treasure hunt of reaching out to everyone from kindergarten, smacking a girl on the behind, stealing her gum, all the way up to the present moment. And I just say, I want to apologize for the way I showed up. Half the people didn't respond. Some people were like very angry. And then some people said, thank you so much for sharing that because everything that you've posted, I've hated it. (laughs) And I'm like, oh my God, I didn't realize how much baggage that was. Mm -hmm. But the more and more I was doing that, the more and more I would do that on this side and these good things started coming happening in my life. I'd get these random checks. I'd forgive this person. All of a sudden, this thing would happen in my life. And I'm like, oh my God, it's almost like they're connected. <laughs> so the hot air balloon doesn't leave the ground until you release the weight. And that's the weight of your past. Mm. So when I started letting go and releasing certain things. It's kind of like when you get body work done and you release certain tensions, I started releasing those things. That gave me the strength to 
forgive those men because it was an object in motion of forgiveness and letting go. And I was watching what was happening in my life. And I stood on stage in front of 5,000 people as I was doing a, a speaking, speaking engagement. And I forgave them on stage, broke down, and I wow. said, I'm truly letting this go. And I wish nothing but love for them and their families and their kids when I used to wish death. And when I was done, I went over to my speaker seat in the back, and this guy beelined to me with tears in his eyes. And he's like, I just want to apologize. And I said, for what? He goes, 20 years ago, I went to prison for attempted murder. And I just got out of prison yesterday. And I had planned to kill the guy tonight. Wow. And I saw what freedom looked like on stage through you. So I'm changing my life right now. And I want to apologize on behalf of those two men who murdered your father. And I got the closure that I always wanted from when I was 12. Free. That's how. <laughs> wow. Dude. I mean, I'm just going to let that ride for a minute. Um, and I imagine this came from a place of like, you didn't expect anything. No. Like, and that obviously I think that goes without saying, but it's like, you're not, I'm not forgiving this person because I'm expecting something. No. But it's that hot air balloon of like, I hope this. Freedom is for you. Yeah. It's freedom for is for you. It can be an example mm -hmm. that they can take on because you can't be what you can't see. So when freedom shows up, people who are seeking, their soul knows and something about this person. Mm. And what about, we're about to wrap up, but close to maybe last question <laughs> is freedom. That hot air balloon, a lot of people are afraid of it. Yeah. Right? They're, if they feel safe on the ground yeah. with that weight, it feels comforting. So what is your message for yourself for that? It's like, I'm afraid of letting this go. Mm -hmm. What's on your heart? The same strength that it takes to hold on to what you're holding on to is the strength that's actually needed to sustain at the next level. So you're literally holding on to an entire universe. And you're, you're holding on to this and you're looking out here for all the things that you want. Don't even realize it's right there in your hand. Mm. But you've got to let it go energetically. Damn, bro. It's in your hand. That was really good. You're holding on to it, making a fist yeah. so tightly. You can't put anything in there. But as soon as you let go, oh, <laughs> interesting. You can actually put all kinds of things in that space. Got a two-car garage with two cars in it. Can't really park a car in there until you move a car out. Damn, dude. Um, and throughout this conversation, if people aren't watching, do you usually, do you touch your solar plexus a lot? Right around in this area. And your belly? Mm -hmm. Yeah, right around this area. I lay on my back a lot. That's the way I process uh, emotions, process happiness, process fear, process pain. I just lay and I just wiggle on the ground and just <laughs> kind of just... Well, that's cool. I just wanted to share that just for people listening to that because that's where a lot of like your solar plexus is your power, yeah, your freedom and the belly too. Like a lot of fear like lives in there so I, th I just thought it was really cool like me observing like you touching that the whole yeah. time like it was like it was like 
Almost like, you know, in Black Panther, when he gets hit by, hit by bullets, he like mm-hmm. charges up. That's almost what I was seeing. Oh, got it. I love that. <laughs> New comic book coming out. Yeah. <laughs> well, brother, I mean, this was incredible. Thank you. And I You're know so you, I mean, people know, if you don't already know Garen, now they know, incredible storyteller, but truly coming from a place of love. And maybe that's the question. My last question for you is like, what do you do it for? When I see how many people's lives change, the lives of their children, and the level of happiness by me changing my life and sharing the stories, I'm like, yo, that's freaking cool. I I try to do all these other things to fit in with people, do all these other things to prove my worth. And I just shared my life as ugly or as beautiful it may seem people are like yo thank you so much like they gave me the strength to then start putting myself out there so i've seen enough people wake up inside of their own self by me choosing my life Mm. and it's you know in this world it's like the house of mirrors so whatever you see in me It's because you got it inside of you, but somebody's got to go first. Mm -hmm. So I've decided that I'll be the person who goes first. If that means you have direction or you finally are no longer afraid to take that at least the first step. And what I found out is there's lots of people, there's millions of people that are in that space. And they want to live a true, genuine, authentic life. No mask, no overcompensation. They like genuinely want to be happy and be filled with joy and vitality. So me being an example of it shows that it's possible. So my work in the world is being an example of joy, positivity, love, transformational change, changing your life and like living a a, a purposeful life and doing something great with it when statistically I'm not supposed to be here. Mm -hmm. So I take a lot of joy in that. So I have a very addictive personality. So the same person that was addicted to chasing all these women when I was younger, I just, like I said before, energy can't be created nor destroyed. It can only be transferred. I took that same energy and then channeled towards chasing myself and the betterment of myself and being willing to share. Because you're not really a true leader until someone is actually learning from what you're sharing. And I love watching people say, man, I retired my mom Mm. because I saw the vision from when you retired your mom in 2015. I'm doing this because I saw that it was possible. I saw the life you came from. So I, that was my shining star. And I'm only just representing the light that's already inside of me. I'm the face of the light that's inside of me. And so if this entire room was dark and then a fireworks went off, everybody looked towards the fireworks. So it gives me joy teaching people how to be fireworks in their own lives in a, in a, in a world of darkness. I love that, dude. Yeah. Well, th- you definitely 
blew blew up today. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I know you have a retreat coming up, yeah. which you were sharing. You shared a little bit about it throughout, but a big portion. I'm not sure if we covered this in combo, but about you like sharing your story because you yeah. just mentioned in that last response of you trying to be like everybody else, but really it was like the magic of like sharing your story. Yeah, being authentically me. Yeah, I, that's I, it. <laughs> being authentically me. So to put it in a vague sense, it's mm-hmm. like really through and through. Being my vulnerability, being my fear, being my courageous, being my creativity, all of it matters and it gets to be seen. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to leave anything on the table because it's connected to a lot of people. A lot of people be like, yo, if he can do it, I can do it. She can do it, I can do it. So me going into the voyage of uh, vulnerability and really truly showing myself full throttle. I get to tap into untapped hearts. People listen to who they can relate to. And for my retreat, it's all about that. But I do it in a way that surrounds the arts. So if you want to be like an entrepreneur, you want to be a book writer, you want to do your coaching programs or your high level business, there's creativity in all of it. Mm. And a lot of people are they might it might look a certain way, but then you're not really living the life you really want to live. It's not fully embodied. You really wanted to be a singer. You always wanted to be a singer, but no one's ever heard you sing. Why? Because there's fear behind that. Yep. So in my workshops and my retreats, we do like fully immersive and emotional intelligence, and we put people in positions where they get to learn about that aspect of themselves and then be surrounded by some extremely powerful tribe members. Like community is the new luxury. So, you know, I'm a part of masterminds that are, you got to pay $150,000 to get in, but I'm at a table with Jim Quick. I'm at a table with the (laughs) owner, owner of the Cincinnati Reds. And I'm at a table with somebody who had a $150 million launch. You think I'm not taken from all of that? Well, guess yeah. what? My mastermind, it's like a mama bird gets the worms and they bring it back to the nest. My mastermind is the nest for all the information mm-hmm. of the rooms that I paid to be in. Yeah. So maybe you don't have $150,000 to be in this mastermind for a year. Hey, but you might have 12000 and there's a payment plan. But the mastermind, you know, it's 7500 bucks. And someone can be like, oh, man, that's expensive. I'm like, bro, you know what's expensive? Your life five years from now with you paying the same price. Ooh, say that again. That's really good. What's really expensive, $7,500 is not expensive compared to your life five years from now and you're still paying the same price that you don't like. Oh, yeah, no, you got to pay in dividends, homie. I mean, it's it's double and triple. You pay for your health. You pay for your. However, if you had twelve week twelve weeks with a master coach and a master tribe, and then it goes into a three and a half day retreat that's held here, you have the ability to compress time frames. That's what you pay for. You pray. You pay to compress time frames so that the next twenty years is a fully evolved. Uh, 
version of you that's not paying the same price. You pay to be in the rooms. You pay to be in the energy because then you become a part of the energy. I was running at night until I became the night. Mm-hmm. I became a part of all of it. There was no fear inside of that. So teaching people even that, to put yourself and learning wisdom as a priority, you will 10x your life and it will not take a long time. That's my retreat. And it's called Artist Power Expressed. Dang, brother. So where can people go learn more about it? Yeah, so you can go to my (laughs) website, which is garenjones.com. I'm just now starting to uh, post about it uh, publicly. And um, it will sell out in the next two and a half weeks. Um, So by the time they hear this. Yeah. (laughs) But go get on the wait list for the next one, maybe? I mean, I might make exceptions. (laughs) Because if you say that you're from Ben's podcast or something, then I might make a special (laughs) exception. So we'll talk after this. There you go. um, but yeah, you go to my website, go to garenjones.com. I really want to see you win in life. You deserve to be happy. You've, you deserve to, to live, uh, live a joy-filled life um, where you know you're worthy of all the success that is meant for you. And all I want to do is support you and remind you of how awesome you are in that way and then surround you with some dope-ass people so that you can be accountable and then have the uh, sustainability in the direction that you're going in. So hopefully we get to see you soon and uh, can't wait to meet you guys in person. Damn, bro. Um, <laughs> I love this. Where can um, everyone else interact interact with you, connect with you? Yeah, Instagram. Instagram, Facebook, it's all Garen Jones and and my website. And let's let's play. Let's go have some fun, like really. You know, not the fake fun, the real fun. The real fun. <laughs> Let's go live a joyous, prosperous life. I love it, brother. Thank you deeply. This was phenomenal. You're so welcome, brother. And thank you for uh, creating the platform for stories like mine to have wings. It says a lot about you, too. So thank you. And you're also welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>